numbers really worth a damn? These furry agents of change create and maintain essential wetlands. No one's going to argue that they improve their environment for the better, but I'm starting to think that they changed the lives of the people who work with them as well. Let me show you what I mean. I'm on the phone with Leonard Houston, who is um, the head of the Beaver Advocacy Committee, or what is exactly your title? Well, I guess I would be the co-chair. I share the chairman position with my wife, Lois, and okay. we are the Beaver Advocacy Committee. Is this a, is this a day job, or is this like a hobby? Uh, no, this is a full-time occupation <laughs> other than outside work to support our actions. How did you get involved with beavers? Why did you decide to, to be responsible for this? Well, Heidi, I think, you know, that we're all responsible as stewards and especially responsible stewards of the areas that we live in. And as a child growing up here in the forests of southwestern Oregon, uh, I spent a lot of time in the woods with my family, and we had quite a few beaver dams in the small streams, and our fish runs were substantially uh, larger, so to speak. Yeah. And we weren't experiencing the water shortages then that we are now. Right. And so one thing that we noted was uh, in later in life, in returning to my home, that uh, beavers were absent in the streams. Mm. And so we set out to do something about that. Yeah. So so part of your job is policy? We really don't have much, um, I guess I'd say, input into state policy. Mm-hmm. Um, we work more with ODFW on a partnership, collaborative-type basis. Right. Um, here in the state of Oregon, we have the... Beaver Work Group, which is an in- internal, external working group made up of fishery and wildlife biologists from ODFW and other agencies, state and federal agencies, as well as private interest groups. Right. ODFW stands for Oregon Department of Fishing and Wildlife, right? Yes. Okay. And, and the Beaver Work Group is how old? When did that start? How did it start? Do you know? Well, I believe it started a long time ago. It was actually formed just a few years back as far as the the Beaver Work Group. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of key players that are the executive members uh-huh. that were doing beaver research for many, many years yeah. in the field. Okay. And there was just um, enough public interest, I think. I think that we got involved at just the right time, uh-huh. so to speak. And we've been able to advocate for beaver ecology and bring a lot of private parties and the public on board. Right. And I think we were able to help build a bridge of connectivity between private landowners and the state agency. Wow. So you do some beaver relocation or reintroduction, right? Yes, we do. Um, Actually... We do it with the approval of the Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife, uh-huh. and we actually were, I guess you would say, instrumental in including our region into a study and evaluation of translocated beavers in the Umpqua Basin. Wow. And translocated means moved? 
Right. <laughs> okay, and your beavers that you translocate, they have a little uh, radio collar on them or something, right? Well, no, those were actually beavers that were included in the research project. Oh, okay. And the beavers that we relocate now, uh, we just relocated a colony of four in late August, early September, we just see our tag does. Okay. They're not research beavers. They're uh-huh. actually relocated nuisance beavers. Uh-huh. And the reason being is to enhance existing salmon habitat and stream conditions to right. work towards stabilizing our stream flow. Okay. So, and the the purpose of the ear tag is just to be able to see who shows up where? Right. Yeah. Right, just to be able to identify the animal if something happens to it. Right. Okay. Well, what what do you like best about your work? What what do you think is the best part? I'm very excited to be a part of it. Yeah. I think that the best part of it is it's uh, very rewarding. Uh-huh. It's um, spiritually rewarding yeah. to give a person a feeling of having paid back something to to not only the forest, but to our fellow members of society. Right, right. And responsible for the Beaver Conference, right? So you're not you're doing one in 2013? There, there or, are plans to have another state or, at the Beaver Conference in 2013. Are you thinking you're not yes. doing one in 2013? No, we decided not to in 2012. Uh-huh. And the reason being, we wanted to have some more conclusive research and data compiled mm-hmm. and financial, you know, reasons. Within, but we are looking forward to 2013. Uh, what um, what would you say people don't get about what you do? What do they not know that they should know? I, I think, Heidi, that most people fail to realize the importance of the role that this little beaver plays in our aquatic ecosystems. Uh-huh. And I don't begrudge anybody not knowing that because most of us don't. And yeah. science has well documented the importance and the effect of the beavers. But unfortunately, they were eradicated or decimated in large before before our great-grandfathers got here. Right. So it's very hard to to see over time because we have no records other than trapping records and journals of the early explorers as to what a large active beaver population has as far as an effect upon the landscape. Right. So to be able to actually show people that, it's it's almost impossible. So a lot of it is hypothetical, Mm -hmm. true impact it could have. Right. Right. Well, um, I wonder if you could remember back to the first time you saw a beaver. Were you a kid? Were you an adult? A very young. I believe I was about seven years old, and we were hiking up a trout stream, as streams in Oregon were open to trout fishing in my childhood. Uh huh. I'm not going to disclose a year there. <laughs> but um, we actually, uh, when you, when you came to a beaver dam, you knew you were going to catch trout, and there was always large trout in the beaver pools. Huh. And so my older brother and I were sneaking up the creek, and we came to a beaver dam, and he said, peek over that dam and see if you can see any fish in that pool. Uh-huh. And so I 
got down on my hands and knees, and I crept up to the front of the beaver dam. And about the same time I stuck my head up over the beaver dam, there was a curious <laughs> beaver stuck its nose up on the other side. Wow. And Heidi, I don't know who was startled worse. I'm thinking <laughs> it was me, but it could have been the beaver. So that, that, that was my first eye-to-eye or nose-to-nose yeah. encounter with a beaver. Wow, that's quite a story. That's that You must have been quiet Well, and not very smelly. I... I <laughs> well, maybe it was because we were downwind and downstream, yeah. and so. Wow, that's really cool. So, um, so, and even as a fisher boy, you really noticed uh, the effect beaver dams have on trout and fish. Well, I, I, I did, Heidi. Um, I had five older brothers. Uh, we spent a great deal of time in the forest, and. It, they explained a lot of what was happening, you know, and the importance of it, and it was it was very eye-opening. But what was more eye-opening was returning to the same spots as an adult and seeing the changes with the absence of yeah. the beavers. Yeah. Wow. What kind of advice would you give to someone else who wants to do what you're doing, who wants to be involved in um, beaver relocation and beaver reintroduction? What what do you think is a good background for them to have? I think anybody with the compassion for it mm-hmm. should probably look into it, but I would advise research. Yeah. And there's tons of data out there available, and more specifically, I would advise getting with your Department of Fish and Wildlife and seeing how they are handling the species and what obstacles they face and making yourself available to help, either through volunteering or tackling uh, a problem area. Yeah. And probably the largest problem area is going to lie not in the state's management of the animal, but the private landowners' aspects and opinions of how they feel about it. Right. So I think that education and outreach, and I can't commend you enough for your organization (laughs) and the information that you provide. Well, I believe like all state or federal agencies, when when you're dealing with the agencies, you have to realize that they respond to not necessarily public pressure, but public opinion and input. Yeah. And they, they're a, from from our experiences, they're highly dedicated folks. Um, they've chosen these careers because they're passionate about them. Yeah. And they do everything they can within the laws and guidelines and policies that they have to work within. And those are all subject to amendment by public pressure. Yeah. So I I think that the greatest tool, of course, is, as I mentioned earlier, is education. Yeah. And if you want to bring beavers back to an area where they were, you know, you're going to be dealing with some perimeters of historical habitat and current inhabitants. Right, right. So if people want those species reintroduced to those sections, then I believe that your Department of Fishing Game, as you call them, is going to get behind them. I appreciate so much the work that you and Lois do and and have done for so many years to kind of advocate for beavers and educate the community about um, their value and get people talking to each other, which I think is so important. So thank you so much, Leonard and Lois. Well, you're so very welcome, Heidi, and likewise with the appreciating what you do. I think that your website has 
far, far reaching impacts on a, on a global level. Change, change, change. 